In the second half of the 19th century, Atlantic City, New Jersey became a popular destination for beachgoers looking to escape the city. Many of these tourists came from nearby Philadelphia. And they had noticed that when they brought their children there, their children just seemed particularly healthy and happy and robust. This is historian Megan Cernick. And they began to sort of think about how they could provide those same benefits to the, you know, many, many children who were sort of stuck in the city during the summer months. As in the city's poor and working class children who couldn't afford a trip to the beach. One of these socially conscious tourists came across a book by a French physician named André Brachard. Sea air and sea bathing for children and invalids. Brochard advocated for the healthful effects of oceanside retreats for children. Seeing every day the little ones bathing, walking on the sands, fishing or otherwise disporting themselves, breathing with delight the salt breezes which gave them strength and health, one thought more than once struck me vividly. There are physicians who have never seen the sea, living at a great distance from its shores. These are consequently ignorant of the resources which marine medication offers to the practitioner in the disorders of children. Inspired by Dr. Brochard, philanthropists decided to build a hospital to serve the city's poor and ailing children. The Children's Seashore House opened in Atlantic City in 1872. Mothers often accompanied their children to the sea, where they could receive treatment at a low cost. If they were in the main hospital building, a lot of times those children uh, would have more chronic conditions, such as uh, what would be referred to as non-pulmonary tuberculosis or surgical tuberculosis. So one of the peculiarities about children when they contract tuberculosis is that it doesn't, generally speaking, manifest itself in the lungs, but rather in the bones and in the joints, uh, in which case the children who would have tuberculosis would oftentimes have um, what they would refer to as sort of bone deformities, and children could be bent over. It could exist in their spines and in their hips. Rickets was another one, which at the time wasn't fully um, or understood in the same ways we understand it today, which would be a lack of vitamin D. And they were oftentimes coming with um, what was politely called summer complaint, um, which is also uh, known as diarrhea. Um, and so it was children who had really bad gastrointestinal disorders. Um, and those were really the children who were most vulnerable of uh, dying during the summer months when infant mortality in Philadelphia could reach upwards of about 25%. Well, I'd love for you to pick a specific child and describe him or her to us and take us through his or her day? Sure. So one of the few sources that I have that actually came directly from a parent was a woman who had um, written a thank you letter to this uh, Philadelphia Inquirer for publishing an article about the Children's Seashore House. And she wrote about how she um, had been desperately seeking treatment for her daughter because her daughter had rickets, and despite being three years old, she said that she was no larger than a six-month-old at the time and was unable to walk because of the disease. And despite her best efforts, no physician had been able to really help her. And so she wrote to the Children's Seashore House and asked for admission for her and her daughter, Amy. The physicians at the Seashore House 
told her to come down, and she took um, the train from the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton area. And during the day, for the most part, what would happen is that they would wake up in the morning. There would be medical rounds where the physician would go around and visit the children um, and see how they were doing after which they would then go out in the ocean and they would play. Depending upon the time period, there were more or less strict regimens about how frequently and how often children could sea bathe. Um, At least in the 1870s, they were very strict. They believed that being in the ocean for more than four minutes could result in horrible things happening to you. You could get headaches. You could faint. You could become profoundly dizzy. You could even die if you stayed in the ocean too long. This is Um, even if you're healthy? uh, Yes, even if you're healthy. They they had... um, Actually, in in the book written by Brochard, he details it very specifically that there are three phases that swimmers and bathers go through. And uh, you wanted to sort of remove yourself before that third phase where you were sort of uh, losing all the benefits. Uh, You wanted to remove yourself before that. So at least at one point in time, they had some very strict regimens. Those were eventually kind of loosened up. Um, But it was almost always done. The sea bathing was almost always done under the supervision of nurses to make sure that children were, you know, bathing properly for children who weren't able to walk themselves out into the ocean. They would actually have bathers who could carry the – they would be adult men who would carry the children out into the ocean, sometimes just in their arms. Sometimes they would have specially devised baskets or slings for children. And what Um, were the specific benefits for children of of these brief stints in the ocean? um, One of the things that they found was that – open wounds that were associated with tuberculosis uh, that they refer to as sinuses, those sinuses would actually close. And this was a problem that physicians in urban hospitals were really trying to solve, and they were coming up with all sorts of technological interventions, and um, they just had a really hard time figuring out how to successfully treat those wounds. And the conclusion ended up being that the benefits of sort of washing out those wounds with the saline water, the ocean water, really did help those uh, wounds heal successfully. The ocean also had the benefits of having children move more. So getting them physically active, getting them moving, which would, you know, in turn increase their metabolism, which is one of the sort of holistic benefits really of the time at the shore that people attribute it not only to the sea bathing, but also to the just the benefits of being in the ocean breezes. But really, for the most part, they they would be doing a lot of the things that would have looked familiar to tourists while they were there. They were flying kites. They were building sandcastles. There's lots of images of just children playing on the beach that looked very, very similar to other activities that children would have been partaking in, you know, on either side of the institution. As you've described it, um, certainly the Atlantic City Hospital was funded by people who were tourists themselves. So obviously, a large wave of tourism had already begun. But did this tourism, which only increased in volume, did it vie or did it sit in tension with um, the healthful purposes of these hospitals? Did, Did they become competitors, if you will? There was some tension that existed. Uh, as more tourists came, the original hospital building in Atlantic City had, was very near the center of town. And so buildings were being constructed around the hospital that were obstructing its breezes. And the physician, just in a single um, sort of note, said that the tourists did not always appreciate having to view patients and sick patients on the beach while they were there on their vacations. And so they actually moved the hospital uh, pretty far down the beach 
Um, but I actually think that the hospitals served an important role within these communities to help maintain those longer standing associations between leisure and health when there was very much this um, this notion that maybe leisure wasn't totally acceptable yet, but health seeking was. Um, physicians published a lot of medical journal articles published from one another. They also published popular books. Uh, that really detailed just how healthy the seascape was for people, which all stood very much in stark contrast um, to the urban environment from which most people were coming. And I think within these places, certainly like Atlantic City, which very much promoted itself as a family-friendly environment, that having something like a seizure house where tourists could go and visit and remind themselves of those health practices that really underpinned their leisure practices was a beneficial reminder in some ways. Um, right. So it was almost an excuse for relaxing, but one that was acceptable to society. The health. Getting healthy would make you more productive in the long run. Absolutely. That's exactly what this was about. And even for children, the idea was sort of to be able to build up these children's bodies and strengths to be able to withstand the kind of forces of living in an urban city with the idea that they were going to be the future workers of America. There there does seem to be uh, a strong um, assumption that beaches are a healthy or healthful place well into the 20th and 21st century. Uh, would you agree with that? And do you think that has, if you do, you think that has anything to do with, um, you know, this the seaside hospitals that you work on? I do. I think that um, a lot of these practices that really began in the 19th century remain with us as our sort of cultural traditions. Um, and certainly my family likes to tease me every time we go to the beach about how healthy they feel when they're down there. <laughs> um, and I I fully embrace that. So I think that it's one of those really fascinating things where I think people still feel it and people still sense it, but we've lost a language in which a medical language in which we can really describe the impacts that we're feeling. And one of the things that I love and am intrigued by is that there is today within medical practice and especially pediatrics, a reemergence of attention to the myriad benefits that nature can provide. And there are a lot of really great scientific studies that are coming out now about Um, the benefits of being out in both green space and what some medical geographers refer to as blue space, which is being near an ocean. So I think it's coming back in some ways. Megan Cernick is a historian at the University of Pennsylvania. (laughs) 